0: My friends, welcome to the Bible Project daily podcast. And the project is to transform our lives by studying the Bible every day, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You're very welcome, whether you're here for the first time or whether you've been with us from the very beginning. And if you are here for the first time, why not click on that subscribe button wherever you're getting your podcast from and that way you'll not miss another single episode. You can, of course, choose to just pick up from where we are today, or you can make the decision if you want to go back right to the start and just listen at your own pace, as is everybody's choice, and to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life from here on in. There are new episodes posted every day, Monday to Friday, so why not make the decision to join us on this amazing journey. We're actually partway through season three, which is the Gospel of Matthew. And today we're picking up at Matthew chapter 18. And the question I'm asking is, what does it take to be great? So with that said, please do hang on at the end. And I'll tell you lots of ways that you can connect with this ministry and receive other free Bible teaching resources. Bye for now. Okay people, pod friends, happy to be here. We're picking up today in Matthew chapter 18 and we're going to be looking at the first six verses of this chapter. And I've called today's to give it a title, I've called it What Does It Take to Be Great? You know, I think there is a great desire in all of us to be great in some way. Everybody has a desire to be great, at least at something. Some people it's just to bake the best cakes they can or be best at the hobby they have. Or I know a lot of men out there who love to collect and for them, the goal is to have the best collection. And let me just say that the desire to be good or even great at something is not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. And when it comes to business and our work lives, it can be a good thing because it helps develop best products and services that can be made available to people or strive to do that but the question i'm asking today is what does it take to be great we're considering it from a much higher and wider implication in that well it's interesting because that very question once came up during the ministry of christ and was asked by none other than his disciples and they asked it of him and he did give a rather extensive answer, which we're going to begin looking at today. And I'd like to do that by looking at the opening part of this passage when he teaches in this issue. And today we're going to just pay attention to the first six verses. So let me read Matthew 18, 1 to 6 for you. And then we'll come back and go through it, as we always do, verse by verse. So, Picking up at verse 1, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, Unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like me in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Now before we look at this passage, let me just make a simple observation. We've been going together through the Gospel of Matthew and we've obviously come today to chapter 18. But one of the things that you need to know and is helpful to understand is that this is the fourth discourse given by Jesus in this gospel account of Matthew. As a matter of fact there are going to be five major discourses teaching sessions in the gospel of Matthew. The first of course was the famous Sermon on the Mount. The second was a long list of instructions he gave to his disciples when he commissioned them and sent them out in his name and that happened in Matthew chapter 10. And the, the third was a session of teaching that he gave in the form of parables in Matthew chapter 13. And now this is the fourth discourse and it begins in Matthew chapter 18 verse one. The fifth will come along later in chapter twenty-four, twenty-five, where he will actually teach something of the end times. But here we are this is the chapter where Jesus actually teaches on human relationships and these are some of the most not only richest spiritual insights but most practical insights that he gives to them and us in terms of helpfulness to our human interactions that you'll find anywhere and certainly within the gospel of Matthew and the particular case in question here concerns the question of what does it take to be great in the kingdom of God. Now, it's framed in the form of the disciples asking who is greatest in the kingdom of God, which is an interesting way it is approached. Now, the passage itself is rather straightforward, and it naturally divides into two parts. So, first of all, there's the question where the disciples ask who is the greatest in the kingdom of God, and the second part is the long answer that Jesus gives to that question and we're going to look at the first part of that answer today. So let's just pick it up verse by verse as we normally do and remind ourselves of what 18 verse 1 says and the disciples come to him and ask who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So that's the question and this question and this situation is also recorded in the gospel of Mark. But in his account, he gives us a little more background detail as to what's going on here. It says they were actually walking and talking, and the disciples were disputing between themselves over who would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They were actually almost arguing about this. So what they do is they then go to Jesus and they say to him, or when they stop rather, Jesus says to them, what were you talking about back there? But in this case, in this account, Matthew just skips and gets right to the point and he asks the question that they were seen to ask and what they were really getting at, which is which of them is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We could ask if all we had was Matthew's account was why would they be asking that? But with that background of Mark's account, we we can see that they were disputing and that is what actually provoked this question. It is quite possible that some of them thought that maybe Peter, James or John, maybe they thought that themselves that they were greater than others. Because remember, we've just seen Peter, James and John being selected to go up on the mountainside and they were the ones who had witnessed the transfiguration. Or maybe Peter could have been forgiven for thinking he was the greatest. Because remember, he was the one who walked on water a few chapters back and none of the rest of them did that. At any rate, it appears they were having at least a heated discussion and maybe perhaps even a dispute and were arguing over which of them would be the greatest in the kingdom. And may I invite your attention again to verse 1 and what Jesus' response is to that. So look at the question carefully. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now I think one of the most significant things about this question is of course this little phrase again, the kingdom of heaven. Because you see, everyone at some level has a desire to be good or great. But most people, their desire is to be great in the eyes of men and women on earth. And that's where I think some people can get a little misled and led astray when they approach this passage. Most people in the world are just trying to be number one in the world. And in a sense, that perspective is doomed to destruction. Because we can't take any of it with us. So at least the disciples here, let's recognize the fact that they're asking the correct question. There's nothing wrong with ambition. And there's nothing wrong with ambition in the world. But the real issue here, the real question here, is not who's greatest in the world. We've got to remember it's who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Because in order to know who that's going to be, clearly we need to know why they might be that. Now they're asking a question that does make the assumption and recognizes that Jesus is Messiah and King and that he and his servants at some point in the future in the kingdom of God on earth are going to have roles and responsibilities. So in a way they're definitely asking the right question. The real issue is what is the right answer to that? Well let's see what Jesus says. Verse two, then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them, verse three, and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. All right, if you're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven, the first thing you have to do is get into the kingdom in the first place. So the first thing Jesus does in his answer is talk about how we get into the kingdom of heaven. You know, I'm reminded of a story early in the life of Billy Graham. He talks about when he went to a town to preach. And this is before he was a nationally known figure. And he had a a letter that he needed to mail to post. And he asked a boy, a young lad in the street, where the local post office was. And the kid obviously told him. And Mr. Graham said, thank you. Then Billy Graham said to the little boy, if you come to this Baptist church tonight that I'm speaking at, I'll tell you how to get to heaven. The little boy replied and said well I don't think I'll be there and he said rather surprised well why not and the little boy says well you can't even find your way to the post office but here the first thing is the first thing and the first thing anybody needs to know if they want to be great in the kingdom of heaven is how to get to heaven in the first place and to do that he says you have to be converted and be like a little child to enter the kingdom of God. Now, at this point, everyone takes it, and this child is meant as an illustration of what faith is like. Now, most children, there are, of course, some exceptions, but most children who have had a loving, balanced upbringing will actually readily trust people. And Jesus is using this child as an example of trust. But notice what Jesus said. Some people just read this and think all it says that in order to get into the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be like a child. But that's true. But look, he says, in order to do that, you must be converted and become like a little child. And that's different. And this word converted is very important. The Bible say the word used here is talking about turning around. So it's a very similar term and thinking of a very similar concept as repentance. In this phrase, he's using a word that says you are turning your attention towards the Lord. In other words, you're saying, looking towards him and saying, I look upon him and I see he's the one for me, the one who died for me and the one who rose from the dead. And then you trust in him just like a little child would trust in an adult to care for them. So Jesus begins by saying let's be clear if you're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven you first got to get into the kingdom of heaven and in order to get into the kingdom of heaven you must have faith and then he continues therefore anyone who humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So he's getting to the nub of what it takes to be great in the kingdom of heaven. So obviously the second thing it takes beyond the ability to enter the kingdom of heaven is that in order to be great, it will take humility. And so he's using the child as not only an illustration of faith, but of humility. Now I have to say that I myself have learned something while studying this passage again and preparing for this talk. You know, I've always just assumed I knew what this passage meant when I've read it in the past. And I still believe it means what I said it believed, but I learnt something extra this time. By reading and researching verse 4 for this podcast, I was a little surprised, shall we say, to discover that a great deal of the early commentators suggest that the point of this verse, well, what can I say, it's slightly different from what I thought before and from what people I hear speaking on it say about it. And the more I thought about it, and how these classic commentaries look at this passage, I felt, you know what, there's a lot of truth in what they're saying. I'm talking about people like William Barclay, Joseph Parker, and William Tyler, people like that. Let me explain what one commentator, I'll choose another one, said about this, and I quote, a guy called Funkhauser, A child was a person of no importance in Jewish society, subject to the authority of the elders, and not taken seriously except... As one to be looked after. Never one to be looked up to. So this commentators and the others I've mentioned suggest that the point here is about the child. Yes it's about humility but it's about the child being dependent and insignificant of themself. Hence the point Jesus is talking about humility as part of it being also about being willing to accept an inferior position. Another commentator, also writing about the position of children at the time of Jesus, agrees and said this, children had no rights in the home. All the rights belonged to the family. Children were not able to exert their will in any way against the will of the Father. They were subject to the Father. So Christ is teaching here, I believe, that our position in the kingdom depends on us taking the place of a child in that we are willingly subject to the Father's will, and it is by doing that then we can be exalted and begin that journey of greatness in the kingdom. Now obviously the point is that we should be humble, but the wider point is that the child, being if we understand the child had no real authority in the society, that Jesus is saying you don't become great by asserting yourself in any way, you never will be able to do that under your own authority. You can only become great by humbling yourself and living entirely under God's authority. The point is, I think, some of us, many of us perhaps, tend to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And Paul, well, he warned against this in Romans chapter 12, and thinking about the Old Testament, some might say the whole problem with Moses prior to Exodus chapter 12 Three was he had too high a view of himself. we ought to take a realistic view of who and where we are in terms of the kingdom of God, and that means humbling ourselves and denying ourselves in the sense of not asserting our own wills, rather than being willing to humble ourselves to the will of the Father. So if you have faith and the humility to recognize exactly where you are in the overall scheme of these things, then you are indeed. On the road to greatness. But there's one other thing he goes on to say. And he says it in the next verse. Verse 5. He says whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Again I think we need to pause on this verse. And hover over it for a second. And clarify a couple of things. The whoever in this. The whoever who receives a child mentioned here. Is a reference to any believer. It's obvious the fact that this discussion is taking And these verses lie within a discussion that's talking about greatness in the kingdom of God. So the whoever applies to anyone then, any of us today, who believes and has received God and done it like one of these little children. So the very important thing is this child represents the believer. Look at verse 6 and it says... And whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depths of the sea. So the idea here is that you do not become self-centered, you do not become overbearing, but that you humbly submit yourself to the will of God and you humbly receive and encourage others. Now I've mentioned this story is recorded in Mark as well, and Mark's account does give us some more background and insights to what's going on in the situation. And if you read his account, you will see that during his account, this uh, discussion, there is an event, an incident, if you like. And John has come to Jesus and say, "Hey, there's a man over there casting out demons in your name, and he's not part of our little inner group. So shall I tell him to stop?" and We see Jesus' response to that situation in Mark's account. And Jesus says, no, he's not against us because he's doing it in my name. And that means that he has faith. And that means that he's trusted in me. And that means he's serving me and he's doing these things in my name. So let him carry on. So the idea here is that you receive other believers and that you willingly be a servant of that or any other person. In other words, there's no way you're going to lord over an authority and be a ruler over other believers. And you see, often in the world, when we think of greatness, perhaps even within the church, we think of the people who are on the top of the pile. But Jesus is clearly saying here in this chapter and in Mark chapter 9 that no, it's not the one who's first or who appears to be first. It's actually the one who's last and the one who is the servant of all. Now I'm going to use a word that I think fits not only what's being said here in Matthew of Mark, but fits with the rest of this passage into really getting a handle on it. Because it's a wider aspect than just being great by being a servant. You see, what I'm saying is these verses are telling us that to be great, yes, you need to have a servant attitude, but that's just the doing stuff. You actually need to be concerned about other people. This is more than just serving them. I think as well as having a servant attitude, we must be mindful and always concerned about other people and what is best for them. And that gets us to the real heart of the matter of what Jesus is teaching here, I believe. So let me just sum up by saying that these guys, the disciples of Jesus, they've had this discussion about what they must do to be great in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus has simply replied and told them three things. Number one, you've got to have faith. Number two, you've got to have humility. You've got to realise that you're not the most important person in the world. You're just a servant. But number three, that that servanthood has got to arise out of a genuine concern for other people. From God's point of view, the great person is the one who is always concerned about other people, who always wants to build other people up in Christ. In the world... Great people, well, they appear, frankly to me, to be those who have the biggest ego, the ones who are the most assertive, the ones who claw and push their way and do whatever they can to get to the top. And they are inclined to say, look at me, see how great I am. But that is totally the world's point of view. But Jesus is telling us here, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then it's all wrapped up in having a genuine concern for other people. We put it another way, as Jesus summed it up for us, and we'll hear this again later in Matthew, we are simply to love the Lord our God with all our heart and to love our neighbours as ourselves. So all of this leads me to ask the question, what are you concerned about in life? I think that there are many people who are just concerned about things. We live in a day where people are taught all the time and marketed to and told to be concerned about things to be concerned about the things they have in the house, the things they've bought and the things that we buy and we never even use you know people are all the time buying things that they never use they never plug them in and switch them on I sometimes think people fill their lives, in other words they are concerned about things in order that they don't have to be concerned about people so again, I ask you the question, what are you really concerned about? Well, let me tell you this friend, there's nothing more fundamental to all the teachings of Christ than the fact that you need to be concerned about other people. And Jesus is saying in the answer to the question, what does it take to be great in the kingdom of God, in the next world? It is that you've got to be a humble servant and you've got to be concerned about other people. J, Jesus first, oh other second why you last joy jesus first other second you last that's a great way to remember what jesus said here not about joy and in, in of itself but about joy about being great in the kingdom of god by putting jesus first other second and you last in everything you do Okay, there we are, people. We'll pick up this uh, precise surgical excision of what it means to be great in the kingdom of God next time as we continue through this chapter. Like I said at the beginning, there are lots of ways where you can access additional teaching resources always free, always freely available, always in the public domain. The main thing I would say is there's always a transcript of each and every one of these podcasts available for you to access within the episode notes page of the podcast. If you're not seeing these links and these extra resources wherever you're getting your podcast from, then just you'll find the podcast itself hosted on the Bible project at buzzsprout.com and all those links and things will be active there. Things like a recently done discipleship course on preparing expository messages and other free resources and soon free PDF versions of all my back catalogs of books I've produced over the last 10 years will all be being put on the Patreons page there. You don't have to be a patron or a financial supporter to access them, all the resources. The way forward for this ministry, I believe is to make everything I do freely available free at no cost and freely in the public domain copyright free for you to use in whatever way you can that is helpful for you or to encourage other people so with that all said thank you so much again for joining me and i do trust i'll see you back here tomorrow well it'll be for tomorrow for me I'll be here but it's whatever day at the pace that suits you you choose to listen to the next episode of the Bible Project daily podcast bye-bye for now